The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Lifting up his eyes to heaven, Jesus prayed, saying, Holy Father, I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me, and that you love them even as you loved me. Father, they are your gift to me. I wish that where I am, they also may be with me, that they may see my glory that you gave me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world also does not know you, but I know you, and they know that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. John in our Gospel reading is very clear. This is not a teaching of Jesus. This is the prayer of Jesus. And let us just pause on that for a moment because we reflect too little on the fact that Jesus is a man of prayer and that prayer punctuates and runs beneath and around and enfolds everything that he does in the Gospels. And so here he is speaking not to his church, he's speaking to God, his Father. Note how remarkable this is. We often think that deeply personal prayer is likewise deeply private prayer, and we see something very different here. The Lord's Prayer this night before he dies is deeply, deeply personal. And it rises upward from the very depth of his heart toward heaven. Imagine that. And on the night before he dies, the Lord, who could ask anything certain of being heard, asks this. And when we recognize that, we realize that whatever the Lord is asking for must be exceedingly important. It must be a remarkably great thing for Jesus Christ to pray for it the night before he dies on the cross. If you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, what prayer would you say? 
Imagine how desperate it would be. But imagine how quickly you would look at your life and all of those things that aren't really important would quickly fall away. And you would be left only with those things that meant the most to you. The night before he dies, Jesus prays. And he prays in the presence of his church. His apostles gather around him, are the witnesses to his prayer are in a certain way participants in his prayer. And this is only good and right because on the night before he gives his life, he's praying for them and about them. And note the tenor of his prayer. It is not, Father, may they be successful missionaries. It's not, Father, may they be filled with power. It's not, Father, may they get everything right the first time. It's, Father, may they be one. What a remarkably beautiful and difficult prayer this is for us to witness and for us to hear. It would be much easier for our fractious, rebellious, independent hearts to hear, Lord, Father, may they have power to go forth in my name. It would be easier for us to hear, Father, may they overcome many challenges and obstacles. It would be easier to hear, Father, may they be kept safe. And note the one thing the great thing, the deep thing from his heart that Jesus Christ prays for. May they be one and not divided. May they be one and not many. May they be one. Because the Lord is about to give his life, not for some of us, but for all of us. The Lord is about to spill his blood, not for a handful of us, but for all of us. Note what he is saying. I who am about to lay down my life to gather them together, May they remain together. When we understand that, that this is the prayer of the night before his sacrifice, the night before his laying down his life for all, not for a few. When he saves us, not individually and personally first, but all together by gathering us into one in him. Note then that this prayer is a prayer asking for the permanence of what he has won for us. And the sign of that permanence is a certain unity, a certain oneness. And as the Lord continues to pour out his heart in this deeply personal, very powerful prayer, he continues that it is a oneness in something. 
It is a oneness in Him. That I may be in them, in all of them individually, and in them all together. And in this oneness, the world will know that you sent me. And note the other implication. Where they are divided, the world won't recognize. Where they are at war with one another, where they are fractious and in competition with each other, where they are divided, the sign, the evidence, the clear witness to my presence will not be there. May they be one that the world may know that you sent me. The fundamental and, prim and primary act of witness is not a great act of preaching. It is not a public miracle or a great action of divine power. It is a fundamental unity in the members of the body of Christ. And acting out of one heart, and acting according to one spirit, the spirit of Jesus Christ. We hear these words on the Sunday after Ascension Thursday, which is the third day of the great novena of Pentecost, where every year the church prays again in union with Our Lady and in union with each other, following the example of the scriptures, which said, they united themselves with one another and with Mary, the mother of Jesus, in prayer. Note, out of the unity of the church comes the prayer petitioning for the advent of the Holy Spirit. Into that unity, the Spirit is poured out on the great Sunday of Pentecost. Why? To make of those many disparate individuals one body in Christ. How absolutely wondrous. Before any other gift is given by the Holy Spirit, oneness in Christ is given. Before any other work is done by the Spirit in the church, the sharing of the one life of Christ among the faithful is done. And all of the other gifts are the fruit of that and at the service of that. And it is good that we can reflect on this here at the Shrine of Our Lady of the Island on this day where we are planning to likewise celebrate after Mass our May crowning. And while it may seem odd that we are doing our May crowning as the month of May comes to an end, that is not merely an accident of the calendar. We do it as we've done previous years during the Novena for Pentecost during that time when the church pays particular attention, not simply to a month of the year, but to the importance of uniting in faith around Our Lady. As we look heavenward and pray alongside of her for a renewed outpouring of the Spirit of God, that love with which the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father that this Spirit may come anew upon us and newly make us one again, because so much does so easily and so readily divide us and separate us. In fact, one of the great titles of our Blessed Lady over these days 
is the title Mother of the Church. A title so intimately connected with this mystery and so deep, so very important in the history of the church that our Holy Father, Pope Francis, raised it up as a feast that must be celebrated the very day after Pentecost Sunday, every single year. How absolutely remarkable that is. But why Mary, mother of the church? I'm going to invite you to come up. Come. Está bien, está bien, sí, sí. Sí, sí. Y la madre suya, ¿dónde está? Ella, la madre? Okay. Voy a hablar en inglés ahora, okay? okay? I'm going to switch out of Spanish now. Okay. What do you guys think? The mother of this young man. Let me see your hand. Is she only the mother of his arm? That would be pretty horrible, wouldn't it? Is she, okay, if she's not only the mother of that arm, would she be maybe the mother of the left arm? Because that might be better. No? Is she only the model mo mother of his head? What about if on the day he was born, he was born as a body but had no head? Would that be okay? So, so what you're telling me is that the mother of this young man is the mother of his feet and the mother of his hands and the mother of both his right and his left arm and his right and left ear and his head too? She's the mother of all of this? Yes. That's what it means to say that Mary is the mother of the church. Have a seat. Our Lady is the mother of the whole, united, intact body of Christ. She's not the mother of some of the members. That would be monstrous. She's not just the mother of Jesus and not of us. That would be like being the mother of a head and not the rest of the body. She is the mother of the entire, united body of Christ not just the mother of a hand or an arm or a foot, not the mother of some percentage of the body of Christ, but the mother of the whole body of Christ. And when we name Our Lady this way, we are recognizing her as that anchor of the unity of the body in her common motherhood. She who is mother of Jesus is our mother also. And just as on the day of the Incarnation, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and formed within her the human body of Jesus Christ, so on Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit comes down on the church gathered around Our Lady. And through Our Lady's prayer and by her intercession, knits all of those separate men and women together into one well-ordered, healthy, united body of Christ, his church. Small wonder, then, that we should pause to honor her as we reflect on these things. 
She in whom and through whom the Holy Spirit continues to gather us and unite us in the life of Christ our Savior. How absolutely wonderful. And how wonderful that we can do that here where we will celebrate Mass. And what will we do? We will rise later on as one and come forward to receive the one, Jesus Christ. And while we will have many consecrated hosts in the Saboria, it is one Christ who all of us receive. And nobody receives more Jesus than anybody else. Note how wonderful that is. The Lord gives himself his one self completely to every single one who comes forward, even though we are separate. Here at the feet of the rock of Our Lady, we will come forward, stretch out our hands, and we will return to our benches with one life of the one Jesus Christ inside every single one of us. And as often as we do this, the Lord receives the answer to his prayer. May they be one. And our going forth, even though when we leave here, we will go in our separate directions, is a going forth as one, a going forth in one spirit, a going forth in one love to the many different corners of the world. How marvelous that is. And this, the Lord says, this oneness, this oneness of loving, this oneness of spirit, this oneness of intention, this oneness of heart, when this is done well, it is the single greatest sign of his presence. Let us go forth today and give that sign. Amen.